this series, The Promised King, what's really amazing, when you begin to read the narratives in the Bible, it's not what everyone was expecting about the promised king. In fact, if you look for, if you want to know the title for this message, it's looks can be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving. Um, as you can tell, I really love dessert. I, I really love dessert. Um, I love ice cream, um, which is why I'm wearing a lot of, you're probably wondering why you, uh, you've been wearing a lot of island shirts lately. And one of the reasons why I wear a lot of island shirts lately is because at the moment, they're the only shirts I can fit at the moment. And because um, island shirts, they're, they're, they're always, they always fit. Well, I remember one time me and Porter were out in town, we're out for dinner, let's go for dessert, and I love ice cream, we're looking for a good ice cream place. And I came across this place called Snowtown. Snowtown, and I had looked, I looked at the menu, and I saw these amazing pictures. Have a look at this, this picture of this, what I saw on the menu. Here it is, look at that. And I was going, my dreams have come true. And the prices were quite reasonable. It was like 10, 10 12 bucks or something like that. I was thinking, give me the biggest one you've got. And as it arrived, this huge dessert from Snowtown had cream on top, chocolate all over the place. And I praised God for his goodness. And I got into this amazing delight only to discover that Snowtown is, a, is about flavored ice. It's not ice cream. It's ice. It looks nice on the outside, but under that is just ice. If I wanted ice, I'll just scrape the ice off my undefroster freezer and have a bite of one of those things. I was so disappointed because looks can be deceiving. It's kind of like when you go into order, I want, oh man, that burger looks amazing. I want that huge burger there. And you get this little thing like this. And it's like, this is a, I'm pretty sure Big Macs used to be bigger than this. I mean, the name Big Mac is meant to mean something. But anyway, that's another story. I'll carry on. My wife doesn't carry on, carry on. Hey, if you love shaved ice, Snowtown is a place for you. Um, and anyone who has any sense, don't go to... No, just kidding. Snowtown, go there. It's a great place if you like ice. Looks can be deceiving. See, in a world full of fancy pictures, we're bombarded with images. And the purpose of images is to draw us in. I mean, how many people do you know who pick up their phones and they go, Oh, I'll just look at TikTok for a couple of seconds or social media, and then before you know it, an hour has gone by, right? Do you guys know anybody like that? Maybe not. Maybe you are that person. You know exactly what I was talking about. It's just gone, it just flows on by because that's what it does. It draws us in. It takes us captive in them, and it's very easy. And, and, and images have the power to influence, influence us, and we, we make decisions based upon what we see, right? You're, have you ever ordered something online? And it turns up, and this big box turns up. You open it up, and there's this little thing. And like, are you, are you kidding me? It's bigger on the box. We live in a world where appearances wield this powerful influence, and, it, and it's constantly taking our attention. Always. I mean, how many of us, are you walk into, into um, whether it's into a, uh, takeaways, or whichever. Back in the days, we would have a bit of a conversation with someone. Now, everyone's just on their phones. We're on the phone, and we're just we're constantly being bombarded, and and things are just thrown at us, and and we kind of and, and these images draw us in. It's, it's okay, come on in. It's okay, you know. It's only one drink. It's only, look at this drink. It's okay. It's only and all of it, and then these little things lead to addictions if we're not careful with some of the things that they come away because looks can be deceiving. What starts out of is very small turns into something big in our lives. And, and, and for some of us, we end up losing our families over them. Right from the beginning, 
we've had this issue. When God created, created humanity, when God created creation, he places humanity in a well-watered garden. And he says, hey, look, eat of any of the fruit. You name it, just go for it. Enjoy my abundance and trust in me. But just don't eat from that tree over there. Don't eat from that tree. That's the tree of knowledge of good and bad. Right? Because it's plastic. And if you eat it, you'll... <laughs> don't eat of that tree. Because if you eat of it, you surely die. Right? And if you eat plastic, you surely will die. Now, this isn't plastic. This is water. Anyway, seeing behind the curtain. Um, and there was this Nakash, this snake in the garden, this supernatural being, this Benai Elohim. He's in the garden and deceives humanity. Did God really say that if you eat of this fruit, you will die? Isn't that what the enemy of God does for us? He goes, oh, well, this, looking at this image is okay. You know, you're just admiring God's beauty. That's okay, and it, and it sucks us in. Oh, taking another drink, that's okay. You, you can handle it. Why don't you have another one, right? And that's what the enemy of God does. It sucks us in. And, and it's all about what we see. Looks can be deceiving. Look, listen, listen to this. Genesis chapter 6, 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the, to the eye. It's pleasing to the eye. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it as well. And sometimes we, uh, we forget that Adam was right there. Right next to her the whole time. Oh, well, look, oh, look at Eve. She, she, she's one of the first. That Adam was right there. He could have protected her and said, hey, no, no, I'm, com I'm coming against. Get behind me, Satan. I'm coming against it. God said, God told me personally. He doesn't say that. He's there waiting because it's looking. Because it does look pleasing to the eye. It does look pleasing to the eye, doesn't it? And they, and they, instead of trusting in God's wisdom, they trust in their own wisdom. And they forfeit their right to be with God. It's really easy when things are pleasing to our eyes. Even when we know we shouldn't do it. And we end up losing everything. Because looks can be deceiving. But even, even in this tragedy of the story, even right in the garden, God enacts a plan to redeem humanity and bring, them, bring us all back in a right relationship with Him. And He begins to curse the snake and speak to the snake, the Nakash. God says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. I'll put hostilities between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. The offspring of the serpent, and the offspring of the woman. He will crush your head and you will strike her heel. So God promised an offspring who will come and deal with the evil in this world and bring us back into a right relationship with him. So how is he going to do that? He does that by forming a nation through Abraham, calling Abraham. He says, through you will come the blessing to all the nations of the world. Through you. And as they begin to, to journey together, God becomes their king. And they say, God, and they say, well, so, and they begin to live and trust in God's wisdom. But then all of a sudden they begin to look around at the at the all the other nations and say, wow, it looks really pleasing. These nations have their own kings. And they go to Samuel, who was the last judge, says, Samuel, go and anoint us a king. We want a king as well, just like all the other nations. And Samuel's a bit upset. He's like, Really? 
And then God says to Samuel, 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 they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. And this is a hyperlink to, to the golden calf in Mount Sinai when, when they were wondering where, where Moses was up there in the mountain. They said, you know, go build us, a, build us some gods like all the other nations and we'll give our allegiance to that. This is hyperlinking back to that. So God says to Samuel, go give them what they want. They want a God, if they want a king like the other nations, it's interesting. They weren't asking, we want a king just like God. They didn't ask for that. They said, we want a king just like the other nations. No, we want a king just like God. And so, so God says, give them what they want. And, and as you know, if you know the narrative of the story, Samuel goes and anoints Saul, who was a head taller than everyone else. So he was tall. He was good looking. He looks like a king. He looks like someone who can deliver them. If you know the story, it's anything but that. Saul doesn't trust God. He wasn't a man after God's own heart. But God wasn't finished. And he enacts his, his rescue plan of the promised seed. And he says to, says to Samuel, go to Bethlehem. Go to the house of Jesse. And there is a man after my own heart. So he heads on down, sees Jesse. Say, call in your boys. God's, God's doctor something. So bring up, uh, we're about to anoint a new king. And the, so Jesse brings in all his boys. And they're tall. They're good looking. Okay, ah. So uh, Samuel said, yeah, this guy looks like a king. Obviously, it's this guy. God's like, he ain't the one. In fact, seven brothers come before him. God said, none of them. In fact, this is what it says. It says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But Yahweh said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or, or on the height of his stature. Do not look just because it looks pleasing to your eyes. Because I have rejected him. For Yahweh sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, what's pleasing to our eyes. And that's how we get into trouble. Our, your greatest regrets is because something caught your eye. Whether it's, whether it's an image of a person or whether it's something that they go ching, 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 and they put money in a slot machine or whatever it is for you, something's caught your eye. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Don't judge a book by its cover. We all know that, right? It's really interesting how the first time we meet someone, we judge them. We judge them. You know, we, we can tell when you see someone walking down the streets, if you've got a handbag, not that I have a handbag, you know, which side do you put it on? I'm putting it on this side. See another person, oh, this person looks trustworthy. But be careful. Looks can be deceiving. I, I was watching um, YouTube. It, took, it caught my attention. It was about this, this tourist who's going through South Auckland. He's walking through Mangere, and he was amazed. Everyone was so nice. Coming up to him, saying hello, people stopping if he's okay. And he's saying, this place is so nice. I don't know what everyone's talking about. Because looks can be deceiving, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. Which is probably why so many people fall to lots of scams. I remember at the beginning of the year, this person emails Portal, emails the church saying, my husband has died and, and he wants to donate a grand piano to the church. And we're like, and Portal's like, amen. Praise God. And Porter's like, okay, yeah, well, uh, we, we certainly can help you on that. Because it's, it's just in storage. All you've got to do is just, just pay for the delivery, and it's yours. Porter goes, okay, how, well, how much is the delivery? It's $1,000. And Porter's like, you know what? We've got some guys in church. We've got, ve we've got uh, vehicles. We can pick it up ourselves. He goes, no, no, no. You have to use the delivery company. Porter's like, what's the delivery company's name? Silence. So easy for us to fall for scams. Some prince wants to give you a million dollars. 
Because, uh, you know, I've got all this money. I want to give you a million dollars. So I've decided to email you personally. All you've got to do is just pay for the foreign currency. Just give me your bank account and then we'll put, transfer the money, right? And we, and, and we fall for it because it's pleasing to our eyes. Oh, yes. Quick, quick rich schemes. Oh, man, oh, man. Amway is the way. Oh, no, sorry. Don't want to get into that because Yahweh is the way. Yahweh. Not say anything about Amway. I, like, I, hey, I, used to, I used to be in Amway. This is why I'm here recovering. <laughs> recovering. It said the shampoo will just make my hair be uh, flourish. Anyway, let's carry on. Oh, we didn't get the grand piano, as you can see. <laughs> Be careful if a prince emails you personally. Be careful. Looks can be deceiving. So, so Jesse says this. Oh, so, so Samuel says to Jesse, Jesse, you got any other sons? And he goes, Wow. We've got a little, we got a, I got a little son. He's just a just a boy. He's out looking after the sheep. So we'll bring him here. And he was the one that God anointed, David. This this one he. Jesse didn't even, didn't, even, didn't even consider him worthy to be a king. He didn't look like a king. Not like the other boys. Because man looks on the outer, but God looks at the heart. And the next time we see, we see David is that he's visiting his brothers, and his brothers are in the army, and there's a battle. The Philistines are on one side, and the Israelites are on the other. And, and they're there, and the Israelites are, are afraid because there's this giant of a man standing there, cursing them, saying, Bring out your greatest warrior. Let's see who's, let's settle it one on one. Who do you have? And let's go to the story. Here we go. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. A champion named Goliath. In Hebrew, this word champion is uh, in between. A man of the in between, because he's in between. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Right? We all know how big that is, right? Six cubits and a span. You've got a couple of cubits. Yes. So depending on what translation you're looking at, it's in between 7.9 meters, 7.9 feet, 7.9 meters, 7.9 feet, and 9 feet. This is, this is, this is in between. Anyway, he was a big man, regardless of which, which side you go for. He, he, he was a giant of a man. He had bronze helmet on his head. And he wore a coat of scale armor. It's just interesting. The writer wants you to know scale. A scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, about 50 kilos. This is, this is the armor. So, so this giant of a man is covered in bronze. And his armor looks like scales. And, and this is for all the Bible nerds here. If there's any Bible nerds, this is for you. Um, if you're not a Bible nerd, just think about chicken. Okay. And so, and so Bible, the Bible is design patterns. And, wants to, and, and, and the writers want you to cue you into something here. And, and when you look at the word bronze in Hebrew, it is spelled with exactly the same letters as the nakash, the serpent in the garden. And he's covered in it. And so for, for the ancient readers, they're looking at this man who is, who is like a serpent. In fact, his armor is like scales in a serpent. In fact, he's a giant, like in Genesis chapter 6, when the Benai Elohim procreated with the daughters of man, and, and, and we get these half-breed, half-breed giants of, of, uh, from above and, and below. And, and so now it's kind of accumulating into this being called Goliath, who is like this giant and who looks like a serpent, is cueing, uh, cue, cueing us in that this is a seed of the serpent. 
And then comes this teenage boy called David. He's like, why are you guys afraid? We've got God on our side. Yahweh. He's bigger than any giant comes. Look up. That guy's not that. Look how big his head is. How can anybody miss that thing? Right? He, he saw a giant, but he saw a greater God behind that. And in our life, we find giants. There's thousands of sermons on this, right? What are the giants in your life? You can do it alone or you can do it with God. 1 Samuel 17, verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. For he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. I thought, wow. What's this cluing us into? You'll be like, huh. This is taking us back to Genesis when God speaks to the serpent. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so read us thinking, is David the promised seed? He just took down the seed of the serpent by striking his head. Is he the promised seed? Is, is, this, is he the one we've been waiting for? Is he the one that we can continue to lean on and trust? Is he the one that's going to bring us back into God's kingdom? Is this the guy? David, and as you begin to read the narrative of, of David's life, yes, David eventually becomes king and becomes one of the greatest kings Israel has ever had. In fact, there's more written about David um, second to Jesus in the Bible, more written about his life, the, the amazing achievement that he has done. But as much as he has achieved and his trust in God, it's, the Bible is also full of stories of David's failures. I love the Bible. The Bible's full of people like you and me. We have our good days and we have our bad days. It's not about supermen and superheroes. It's about being real. But David was a man after God's heart, own heart. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. After removing Saul, the, the previous king, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David. Son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Praise God. I want to be just like David. A man after God's. Who wants to be a man, a person after God's own heart? We all do. Which makes the next story puzzling and concerning. Second Samuel 11 verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof. On the roof of his palace, from the roof, he saw a woman washing. The woman was very beautiful. He looked. This is, this is a Garden of Eden story. This is, this is David's Garden of Eden story. He's looking and he sees something that's pleasing to the eyes. Is he going to pass the test? Or is he going to be like so many of us? Who looks and they take it. And let me say something about this woman. Her name is Bathsheba. She's not enticing. She's just having a bath. Some people like to say, that, oh, you know, she was seducing. Nothing like that at all. It's all on David. Nothing on Bathsheba. It's all on David. And so he looks, pleasing to that, and he takes. And she was the wife of another man. In fact, this other man was part of David's 300. 
his personal God. Men who, who have dedicated their life to David, who put their lives at risk from day in and day out. And he takes from his own men something that was pleasing to his own eyes. Because it's okay, I can handle it. I can cover it up. I've, I can control it. Because isn't that so true for us? We think we can control it. Whatever we see pleasing, well, I can control it. I can handle it. One thing leads to another, she's pregnant. And he's still trying to control it. And he arranges for her husband to be in the front lines. And he orders his men. When the battle starts getting rough, everyone pull back and leave him. And he arranges his murder. Isn't this a man after God's own heart? A man whose life is a testament of trusting God. A man full of courage where others look up to him. But here he is. Looks can be deceiving. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. I don't care if whether you're a pastor or whatever it is. Come on. Don't deceive yourself. We're so good at deceiving others, but we're really good at deceiving ourselves. Because, man, I've, I've got, I know the Bible inside out. I'm up to pray. David, a man after God's own heart. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is getting at the issue. See, the, the things that we enact begins very small. Begins very small. Are you guarding your heart? Are you taking captive every thought? Are we allowing these? Or, you, or do you think you can control the situation? I've got this. I can control it. Just one more drink. That's all. I can handle it. Then Jesus goes on. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Gouge out your eye. For it is better that you lose one of your members than you lose your whole body, throw it into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. See, every regret begins for what's pleasing to the eye. And so Jesus gives us this intense imagery of just, of just this, this whole thing that is so severe that if we allow it to take hold into our lives or if we allow it to take root, it will get out of hand, pun intended, chop that thing off. If it's getting out of hand, chop it off. Because once it gets out of hand, left unattended can lead to destructive behaviors. And as we read the story, we realize David is not the promised seed. But God is not finished with David, just as he's not finished with you. 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 16 says this, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. Verse 16, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. God takes this promised seed and he begins to nuance it. This promised seed is the promised king. 
not like the other nations, and not even like you, David. For this king will be a source of trust and stability for others forever. The promised seed is the promised king. New Testament writers describe this promised king like this. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So what does this mean for us? It means guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't take it for granted. Don't let your guard down. Guard your heart always. Always. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. I see far too many people lose everything because they thought they could handle it. They thought they can do this thing on their own. One of the best ways to guard your heart is in community. Community. You know, just on Friday, you know, um, there's this group that meets here. They're not part of Elam Church. There's a group that's called Last Chance Last Chance Project. I thought P stands for something. People, Last Chance People, Last Chance Project. These, these guys, they're, they're, they're young Maori Pacifica men. They gather together, young, young men, and, and they've been through stuff. And I'm sitting there hearing, hearing their stories, and they're there sharing, keeping each other accountable. This one young man was just sharing them, saying the Christmas for him is tough because every time it comes around, it reminds him of that he almost killed his family. And he says, but I thank you to my brothers. Thank you to my brothers. And they're just there loving on each other, not judging, loving on each other, holding each other accountable, holding each other up. We're better together. We're better together. We're not meant to do this thing alone. This is what the enemy of God wants to do is say, you don't need them because, you know, one of the, one of the greatest joys of ministry is people seeing breakthrough. Seeing breakthrough, I love it. Seeing people come to know Jesus, the greatest joys of ministry and the greatest pain in my life are people. They take, they take, they take. Painful. And everyone in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. You, we, every single one of us have been hurt by someone. And because of that, the enemy uses that and says, hey, don't let anybody in. Last time you did, you got hurt. It's easy to become the seed of the serpent. Or we can become the seed of the woman. Community. Even David. Even David was accountable. God speaks to the prophet Nathan. Go to David. Reveal us. Because here's the thing. When we sin, we think no one will see. Just me. (laughs) Sin has a way of making its way to the surface. And David, he could have said, you know what? I'll kill him, chop off his head. He doesn't. He humbles himself. David in his latter years, he, he, he wasn't trusting God as he did before. Now there's a new giant in his life that seeks to destroy him. But he remembers what he did the last time he fought a giant. He went to the one who had the power. And he writes the song in Psalms 51. Before I come, when I, when I got saved here in Elam, this verse picked me up. Psalms 51. He writes this song, 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Uh, You just hear the heart of David that when he's in his lowest point, he realizes he's not in his presence anymore. He's not finding freedom anymore. I remember when I was in my lowest part, I'm playing for a team called the Wildcats in Auckland, and we're in the Viaduct parting and falling from God and there with everyone else. I remember being in that place thinking, this isn't true peace. And I, and I just remember thinking, I want to be back in His presence. This isn't it. Cast me not away from your presence and, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I love what he says right here next. He says this, uphold me with a willing spirit. Uphold me. Why? Because I can't do this thing on my own. I've tried to do this thing. I thought I could control it, but I can't. Uphold me. I can't do this thing without you, Lord. I've tried for too long. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Because we're better together. I'm stronger when I'm walking with God. And I'm stronger when I'm walking in community. See, I don't know where you are right now. But I know you're not meant to journey your struggles alone. Don't be alone this Christmas. Reach out. Because we're better together. Come on, let us pray.